Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. You're listening to an encore edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. They came to Iowa from Ukraine in 2021 as high school exchange students. Then, when war broke out, they found themselves here in the U.S. with difficulties returning to their home country. Today, we'll find out how the University of Northern Iowa stepped in to turn dreams into degrees. We'll hear from two of eight Ukrainian students who are attending UNI this fall after living in Iowa since before Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the start of that war. We'll also hear from two women who've been integral to making sure these students have a home and a future here in Iowa. Let's start by getting to know a Ukrainian student I spoke with yesterday. I want to welcome to our IPR studios Odie Stefanschuk. Uh, he is from southwest Ukraine. Odie, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to be here. Tell us where you're from in uh, southwest Ukraine. All right. I'm from a town. Its name is Chernivtsi. It's a town about 250,000 people is the population. But since the war broke out, about 60,000 moved in from the east. So it's a lot bigger now. Mm-hmm. And the town is about the size of Des Moines population-wise, but it's about 30,000 square miles smaller. So it's really compact and it's really like walkable. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but you like can walk everywhere, use public transportation. So many people either don't have a car or like only have one for a family because it's just unreasonable. You don't need it. Odie, you are in our Cedar Falls studio. So to give an idea to us uh, how far the fighting is, and as you've said, bombs can be dropping anywhere in Ukraine, but where the actual front is uh, from Cedar Falls would be approximately where? I'd like to say around St. Louis. Mm -hmm. It's about four and a half, five hours away. By car driving. Okay, that gives us a, a sense of that. Before we, we, we get the, to the start of your Iowa story, tell us a little bit more about where you grew up in Ukraine. I grew up in the city center, actually, the Chernivtsi. We had an apartment that was right in the middle, and I had a two-minute walk to school, so that was great. I started walking to school when I was like six years old. Um, I remember those days, and it was it was great. I mean great town mm-hmm. family like everybody lived really close so i saw my like family like my cousins grandmas grandpas very often so here in america it's pretty usual i would like to say my families are spread out somebody's in des moines somebody's in iowa city somebody's in a different state it was kind of different in ukraine everybody tried to stick to where they're from and yeah just a great place i mean yeah you came to Iowa in August of 2021 as a high school exchange student. How old are you now, Odie? I'm 18 years old. You're 18 years old. So um, you came as a 16-year-old uh, as an exchange yes. student? Uh-huh. And you attended a Waco School District in, in southeast mm-hmm. Iowa. Uh, this is south of Iowa City, north of uh, Mount Pleasant. How did you come to be an exchange student? Uh, when did you first get that idea as a young man back in Ukraine? Okay, well, <laughs> it's a kind of a funny story because when I was 12 years old, I was watching a show called The Gossip Girl. I don't think people over maybe 30 would know what that show is because it's, it's like a drama. 
I don't even know how I started watching it, but I remember I watched it to learn English, and it was located in New York City, so that kind of, you know, big city. You see a lot of those pictures, really pretty, a lot of stuff going on. And as a young and ambitious man, I really wanted to go there. Like, that's the place I wanted to be at one point in my life. New York City. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of started doing the research. Well, how can I get there? Because I was constantly asking my parents, can we move to America? Can we do that? Can we do that? And they would always say no. And, you know, as a kid, I don't get it. Like, why can't we just move there? But as you grow older, you get a better perspective on that. And I found a exchange program called Flex. Flex is a free exchange program, but you have to go through a bunch of, there are three rounds, and it's essays, interviews, letters, all that stuff you have to fill out and compete with thousands of other kids. So it's pretty rare to get in. And so the program is free, and the trick with that is you can't choose where you go. So they put you in a random place where they think your culture needs to be introduced or basically wherever they can find your family. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think there are too many families in New York City looking for an exchange student. So they found one in Wayland, Iowa. In Wayland, Iowa. Uh, this is the uh, school district, Waco School District. So you arrived in August of 2021. Um, what were your first impressions? Did school start off well? I really didn't have any expectations. So I really stayed open-minded because I truly have never heard of Iowa before I came here. Nothing about it. I didn't even know that it's just a corn, basically just a big cornfield. <laughs> I right. had no idea. But Ukraine has a lot of agriculture, so it must have been similar in that way, at least. I'm from a city, so I really never was around agriculture. Mm-hmm. I don't know how farming system works in Ukraine at all. So I couldn't really compare those two. You've had a passion for the United States uh, from a very early age. Is that unusual where you grew up in uh, southwest Ukraine? I would say it's pretty unusual, like especially specifically towards the United States. Many people want to visit, but I really wanted to go there and stay there because I just I could see that there are better opportun- opportunities here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't really speak well right now. You're fine. Um, yeah. Better opportunities and just a better place to live. Because at that point, Russia invaded Ukraine first in 2014. So at that point, you could kind of tell that something was going on. The country is not moving in the right direction. The Russians invaded Crimea and other parts of Ukraine in 2014, right? Yes, it was Donetsk and Luhansk Oblast too, which is on the east. Before the full-scale, most recent Russian invasion of Ukraine, tell us a little bit about how your school started. Uh, there in Wayland. Uh, was that easy, that transition, to go to a completely new school in a foreign country? For me, it was really easy. I came a week late, so the school has already started and they have had two football games. But I had a couple people. His name is Drew Deers, especially. He was my number one best friend. We still talk every day. He really took me play. Like, I remember the first day I came to a JV game. And he picked me up and took me to the gas station. It was BP. And he bought me beef jerky. And at that point, I've never had it before. But he, like, bought it for me and started telling me kind of all the things that people do in high school. Like, for fun, for example, what do kids do? Like, TPing, ding-dong ditching, you know, all that stuff. Mm. So I really appreciated him because he really made the transition a lot easier than it could have been. But teachers, everybody was really outgoing and helpful when it came to, for example, not understanding stuff which I didn't have much of that, but with algebra I did. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And 
teachers really helped me solve those problems. And in about a week or two, I was like ready. <laughs> I was basically a high schooler in Wayland. Mm. In you, you felt you were integrated. You were feeling comfortable in that high school. Um, yeah, it was great. Russia then invades Ukraine, um, full-on invasion on February 24th, 2022. Tell us what you remember about that day. How did you find out about it? I woke up in the morning. So every morning I'd wake up and go to weights around 5.30 in the morning. And Steve would always wake up with me because he'd have to give me a ride to school. And he would turn the TV on. And the way we'd sit is I would be turned back to the TV and he'd be watching it and facing it so i was eating my oatmeal i would make it almost every morning <laughs> and i started hearing like russia invaded ukraine then i like look back and they showing clips of all the bombs like i remember especially the clip from ivana frankivsk which is like an hour away from my city and i'm like what's going on and then i kind of went on instagram and texted my parents like is this actually happening and it was at that point all over the place and just made sure everybody was okay, like my family's safe, because they didn't drop any bombs in Chernivetsko, but luckily. And yeah, it was just a huge shock because nobody expected it. Everybody was like, Putin's not dumb. He's not going to start World War Three," And he did. Like, he invaded Ukraine, but nobody actually stood up like they thought they would. And till this point, it's still the war only between Russia and Ukraine, even though a lot of countries are obviously helping, donating stuff. But it's not to the scale that people kind of expect it to be. Yeah. What was your initial reaction in those first weeks, uh, months of the war? Did it make you want to go home? Did it make you want to stay away from the war? It was really scary because right now I'm at to the point where I just completely, I don't listen to the news at all. I don't watch anything. I don't want that stuff. It just brings you down so bad. It literally destroys your mood and mental health and I wanted to stay in America because it's a safer place but I was really worried about my family and my friends that's the main thing mm -hmm. how are your family and friends most of them I would like to say safe but obviously there's still war going on and they started in February so it was kind of two months it was like the weather was pretty cold so the light would literally constantly be shut off. People wouldn't have light, electricity, water. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like this winter. So it'll probably be a lot worse since there's going to be about five cold months. And I hope, I don't know. Yeah, what are you hearing from your family members? How Do you have regular contact with them? Are you able to, to call and uh, chat with them? Yes, I message my family almost every single day, like at least five times a week. And we call, I want to say, at least three times a week. So we constantly talk to each other and keep in touch. So, How are their spirits in the midst of this war? My mom and sister are doing very good. And my dad, he's out of the country too, actually. So he was he's a traveling engineer. So when the war started, he was in Italy already. And after the war started, within a week or two, they added that law. So men after the age of 18 couldn't leave the country. So he was forced to stay in Italy. Otherwise, if he came back, he wouldn't have a job because he just wouldn't be able to leave. So he's not been yeah. back to Ukraine since? Nope. 
a year and what? A year and a half. Have you have you been to see have you seen any of your family members since the beginning since you left here for for the U.S.? I have. My dad had a job in Florida, in Fort Myers, so I went down there over the weekend. It was like three days, two and a half days, which was really great, and very exciting. Mm. Very glad I got to see him. Yeah. We have to take a short break. We'll be back with more of my conversation with a freshman at the University of Northern Iowa from Ukraine, Odi Stefanchuk. You've been listening to an encore edition of River to River. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. I'm Ben Kiefer with River to River from Iowa Public Radio News. Today you're listening to an encore edition of the program. This hour, talking with young Ukrainians putting down roots in Iowa and with the people who've helped them. Let's get back to my conversation recorded yesterday with a freshman at the University of Northern Iowa, Odi Stefanchuk. Let's talk a little bit about the University of Northern Iowa. How did you come to choose UNI for college? So I was originally going to go to Loris College to play football there. And we're kind of, there's this basically one prize. They offered me one prize. But then we looked more into the details and we figured out I'm not eligible for those grants because I'm on TPS and I don't have, I'm not an alien or I'm not sure if that's the right word to use. Not a legal resident. You have refugee status? I have temporary protective status, which is different. And what they kind of told me, is so the TPS at that point it was until 2024 so after that we're not sure if they're going to extend it so we can't give you those scholarships Mm -hmm. so they kind of took them away and then I applied to UNI obviously got accepted went on a visit really enjoyed it it was actually truly the best visit I've had to a college even those football ones they don't quite compare to UNI and then a couple months later Christina uh, Marchesani I think reached out for me and told me about the scholarships that the UNI offers for Ukrainian students. There was a donor who donated money, and so that kind of helped. And the price and quality were really good compared to other schools. Like, Mm -hmm. I could have gone to a community college, but it wouldn't be the same because UNI is really known for its business program, and that's what I was looking into. Mm -hmm. So it really made the decision easy, those scholarships, the visit, and people reaching out to me and telling me only good things about it. Because whenever I tell people, oh, I want to go into finance or accounting, they'd be like, oh, you and I are so good. Great choice. You should really go there. Mm. We'll hear more about that scholarship later in the program. Let's talk a little bit about your future. What do you see in your future? Um, uh, your, what year at UNI now? I'm just a freshman, and my plans are to stay here for four years. And... I hope to find an internship or a job here. So I think that really helped kind of stay in here and build those connections. Yeah. Do you hope to, when do you imagine 
returning to your homeland, uh, Ukraine? Probably, well, after the war is over. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to go back. So it'll probably be a couple years. Hmm. Well, Odie, this has been uh, wonderful to learn a little bit about you. Uh, we're glad you're here in Iowa. Odie Stefenschuk is originally from the southwest part of Ukraine, Chernivtsi, if I got that anywhere close to the correct pronunciation, Odie. And we're so glad you're here uh, in Iowa and uh, so glad that you are doing well at the University of Northern Iowa. And we hope uh, you, uh, your family back in Ukraine, stay safe and all is well. Thank you very much. I was really glad to be a part of this. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. If you've just joined us uh, today, we're hearing about young Ukrainians who found themselves in Iowa when the war began. We're hearing from them from uh, about their stories, but we're also hearing from Iowans who have been very important um, in making sure these students have a home and perhaps also a future here in Iowa. I'm joined now by Mary Curley. Uh, she's a resident of Marshalltown, uh, along with her husband, Tom. Uh, Mary has been an advocate. She's become an advocate for Ukrainian students over the last few years. She and her husband, Tom, stepped in to host a Ukrainian student uh, this summer. Mary, welcome to our program. Thank you very much, Ben. It's nice to visit with you. Well, tell us how this all started for you. And you have a, a, a you're hosting a Ukrainian student. Uh, she came to the U.S. Uh, when she was 15, is now 17. Olya Hinchok, if I'm getting her na- name uh, right. How did this all start for you? Well, just the relationship uh, with the Ukrainian students, again, with my daughter and son-in-law, who accepted a student into their home in the fall of 2021. And um, as things progressed, we all know war started about four years, four months later, and these kids were just kind of thrown into a turmoil. So initially, my daughter and son-in-law and Tom and I had lots of conversations about what does the future hold for these kids. So the, the kids all there had their host families, most of their host families kept them for two years of school because that's what they, uh, the program they were in felt was best. And then when school was out in, in June of this year, um, Olya's host parents had family plans and were looking for somewhere for Olya to go. And Tom and I welcomed into our home and we have loved every minute of it. And she is just the most amazing woman I have ever been around at the age of 17. Yeah, our hearts really do have to go out to all these young people who were here when yeah. their war in their homeland started. But tell us a little bit more about Olya, your particular individual. You're hosting uh, there, this uh, young woman. Tell us more about her. Well, Olya, uh, her parents live on the western side of Ukraine, which is not as, um, the war's not as strong there, but they're very, and it's very apparent. It affects their finances. Um, we have talked to them many times, and they know that we are here to love and take care of their daughter. And all of these parents that have kids here are so pleased to know that their children are safe here, and they don't have to worry about the impact of the war on them on a you know one-on-one basis. They're doing it from afar. But you know, having FaceTime on their phones, most of these kids talk to their parents every day. Mm-hmm. I imagine some of those conversations are, are very emotional. 
conversations. They are, yes. And, of course, most of it's all in Ukrainian or Russian language. So, you know, even if they're talking around us, we don't we aren't aware of what the uh, the conversation is. But yet the kids are very open with us, share with us, look for help, consultation, whatever. And we're just there to love them and help them as much as we can. And we all know that it's a strain on our pocketbooks as well. But right now, these kids are the most important thing to all of us that are hosting. Mary, tell us a little bit more about your daughter and son-in-law's involvement here, Allie and Brock. Well, as I said, they were the first ones to have a Ukraine student. And as we saw life changing for everyone, we, Allie and I and Brock and Tom talked, we've got to make sure we have a future for these children. How are we going to be able to get them into college when they graduate from high school? So Allie made the effort to contact all of the Iowa uh, legislators as well, both state and federal, telling them our plight. We also contacted all the large schools in the state, telling them the same thing, that we need some help. These kids got to stay here and go to school. And um, the person that stepped up for us from the legislature was Susan Cahill, who is a Marshall County rep and a very close friend of mine. And when I found out Allie was doing this, I called Sue and said, can you help us? And with a matter of days, we were talking to Oksana. And Oksana said, you know, her being from Ukraine at the tender age of 18, you know, when she started her college career, uh, she says, we're going to take care of these kids. These are my kids. So she has just been so instrumental. And I will tell you, these girls feel so comfortable going to her office, and she would just sit and chat with them, give them a hometown feel. Mary, you mentioned Oksana. So we're talking about Oksana at UNI. Tell us, we haven't met her yet during this hour. We will, but tell us who she is. Well, she is the chief of staff to the president of the university. And Oksana came to Iowa when she was 18 and went to school at UNI and graduated with a master's degree. And upon graduating, they they initially offered her the position she still holds today. And she and her husband and their five children are still in UNI, at UNI and in the Cedar Falls area, and they are just taking really good care of our kids down there. Yeah. What support can you provide, you and your husband, Tom, provide this young person? What, in what way have you found yourselves to be most valuable? Loving her. Loving her is, and when I say loving her, I mean, she is the most, she loves to hug. She wants to sit and just talk to us about our lives. She wants to indulge herself in what we've done and what we're doing. It's kind of, I think, her escape. Mm. And it works really well for us. And like I said, we just went last weekend and picked picked three of the girls up, brought them back to Marshalltown in Des Moines. First weekend home since they went to school six weeks ago. And uh, it was good time for them to come back. And, and when you refer to the others, these are other young Ukrainians who are uh, attending UNI a- as well, who found themselves here as high school exchange students. Yes. We had five of, of them in the Des Moines, uh, Central Iowa area. And once the war broke out, my kids, Allie and Brock, knew how important that these kids 
were together a lot. They needed to be able to have that camaraderie, share their feelings, share their stories. And um, so it's not unusual to find four or five of these kids always together. And ironically, these five girls that are in you and I, their rooms are right next door to each other. So, Mary, I understand you've led some fundraising efforts. Tell us about that. Yeah, we did decide, uh, you know, we have to raise money because there's not enough money to for their parents to afford to pay for their school for four years. So we did our very first fundraiser in July at Waterworks Park in Des Moines in conjunction with a, a Bikes, Brews, and Bands. And we were able to raise about 15000 just in that one one day. And uh, we got the word out. And prior to that event, my uh, daughter and son-in-law put together a 501c3 called the Humanitarian Scholarship Fund of Iowa. So this money will be uh, available to these kids to help pay for their schooling for the next three years. So we, this mm. will be an ongoing fundraiser. Um, it's a Venmo account, so anybody can go in there uh, with the our email address, or I'm sorry, our web address, and they'll make a donation. And we follow every one of them up with thank you notes and a a letter of um, they can use towards taxes. Mary, it's, it sounds to me like this has been, of course, to Olya and the others, so helpful, uh, incredibly vital. But to you and your husband, Tom, this has been really important in your lives, hasn't it? It is. And people say, because we just retired and sold a business a, a few months ago. They said, oh, are you guys going to travel now? And it's like, no, we feel better about just giving back, and we want to help these kids. This is our enjoyment time. Mm. Mary, uh, Olya is so lucky to have you and Tom. Thank you for sharing your story. Mary Curley, resident of Marshalltown uh, and host of a, a young Ukrainian student, uh, came here in the summer of 2021 um, as an exchange student, a high school student, and now uh, is attending the University of Northern Iowa. Mary, thank you so much. All the best. Thank you. I appreciate your time. That conversation with Mary of Marshalltown recorded uh, yesterday. Now alive back with River to River from IPR News. Uh, ben Kiefer, let's continue this conversation and uh, add to it um, Oksana. You heard that name mentioned just a few moments ago. Uh, she joins us live now from our Cedar Falls studio, IPR Cedar Falls studio. Oksana Grabovich Hofferman is with us, Chief of Staff to the UNI President, also Professor at UNI. Welcome to our program, Oksana. Oksana, are you there? We're not hearing you right now. We'll try to get that fixed. Uh, if you've just joined us, uh, we're trying to uh, uh, reconnect uh, there with Cedar Falls. And please, Oksana, pipe up uh, whenever we do get that connection there, uh, talking with students uh, that... Uh, have uh, been here in the U.S. in the midst of war. They came uh, before the war, uh, and then um, uh, the war broke out for most of them. We'll meet one that uh, was actually here, uh, came here in the first months of the war in just a few minutes once we get our technical problems uh, fixed up. Let me talk a moment about... I think we're good now. Ah, there we are. Oksana. Hello, Ben. Hi. Sorry about the problems. Thank you for joining us. Oksana Grabovich Hoffman, uh, Chief of Staff to the University of Northern Iowa President. Uh, welcome. 
Thank you for inviting us. Yes. Let's, a little bit about your background before we we get to you, and you have a Ukrainian student there in the studio with you. You are a native of Ukraine, and you've been here in Iowa uh, for for many years. You're you're now uh, chief of staff to the UNI president. A a quick word about your your background coming here and um, ascending to the chief of staff to the president. Life takes interesting turns, and you don't know where the life will take you. I came to the United States, to Iowa, back in 2004 with the idea of a quick three, four years here and return back to Ukraine. And almost 20 years later, I'm still here, and I hear that a lot here on campus. This institution does that to people. People come and never leave. Mm, Yeah, a wonderful place, a wonderful campus there in Cedar Falls and a wonderful institution. Uh, UNI, take us back. We have a couple minutes before we take a break. Take us back to how this, the issues with the young Ukrainians showed up on your radar. Um, uh, Was it about a year ago? I understand uh, UNI support for Ukrainian students began, uh, in your case, with an email from a state lawmaker? That's right, Ben. It was um, perhaps February of 2023, so this year, an email from Representative Sue Cahill. Um, A few campuses were copied on the email, and immediately there was not a second thought in my mind as to what needed to happen next, was to pick up the phone and call Allie to find out more. How many students are we talking about? What are their situations? where they're at, how can we help? And from then on, it's been a whirlwind. I was able to drive down to Waukee to visit the students. That was very emotional. One of the girls is from my hometown, and Mm. her mom and my sister are now connected and have been communicating, calling one another. Um, It's a small world. Yeah. We we have to take a short break, but before we do, give us an idea, and we'll talk about a little bit more in depth of the challenges you faced in uh, accommodating these students uh, at the University of Northern Iowa. The big challenge was trying to understand what supports can be put in place, um, looking at the status. We did not know what the temporary protected status means, what visa are they on, when do the documents expire, um, who needs to be involved at what point of time and what needs to happen at what, po- at what point of time. So that all needed to be untangle in order for us to understand how to best take care of them. Okay, we'll be back in just a moment with Oksana Grebovich Hofferman, Chief of Staff at UNI and integral to uh, helping uh, a number of Ukrainian students um, study at UNI. Today we're reaching back into our archive to hear an encore edition of River to River. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Today on River to River, you're listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier program. 
back with Oksana Gorbovich Hoffman of UNI. She's chief of staff there, and we're talking about Ukrainian students uh, here in Iowa um, in the midst of this war in Ukraine. And, and Oksana, before the break, we t- you talked a little bit about the challenges here. So we have students who are under um, special auspices here in, in the United States. They don't qualify, for instance, for, for FAFSA, for uh, aid, international students not eligible for federal aid. That's right. But because of this temporary protected status, we are able to offer them in-state tuition. And in addition to that, um, looking at their grades and looking at their merit, we were able to find institutional scholarship and our um, development officers were able to have conversations with donors who felt uh, compelled to put forward um, some funding to support the students over the next four years. Yeah. How many Ukrainian students are at UNI right now? Eight. Eight, eight of these students. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Allie before. That's Allie Johnson. Um, that is Mary Curley's daughter, uh, her, her, her son-in-law, uh, Brock Johnson. We heard about them a little bit earlier in the program. So fundraising also helps here. They're doing a lot of fundraising uh, to help pay the tuition, right, Oksana? Um, with the institutional scholarships and with the donor support, we're able to cover the tuition. The remaining costs are for room and board, and I that's see. where the fundraisers come in. That's where any additional help comes in. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, we're going to meet another Ukrainian student in just a moment there with you in the studio, but what what were the challenges specifically related to their parents back in Ukraine? It's a, such a unique situation uh, to have wartime in your homeland and then be in another country, isn't it? Being separated from your children is something that I don't think any parent should go through under this set of circumstances, especially. The eight students that are at, at UNI right now, they are in very different situations. Some are from the eastern part of the country where the fighting is going on, their families fled, they're no longer in the country. Some have families that are in hiding. Um, some have their cities being bombed all the time. Some have families still remaining in the country. So it's 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 very different. These kids are very brave. They put on a, a good front and a good face. But once you start getting to know them and having conversations with them, there's a lot that's happening underneath. Yeah. How is that trauma of dealing with an ongoing war dealt with? How are they being supported emotionally and, and otherwise here? They've become each other's family. They, um, for the most part, live in the same dormitory. Many live on the same floor. Um, they stay together. They look after each other. They've made some friends. They um, we have an office of the international programs that reaches out all the time. We have um, languages and literatures department that has organized conversation partners with these students. And they are also frequently in my office as well. And I'm very happy that they feel comfortable mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's add to our conversation one more Ukrainian student, Yuliana Karpluk is with us, uh, a student at UNI, majoring in psychology, I understand. Um, uh, Yuliana, welcome to our program. You're there with uh, Oksana. Thank you. 
I understand you grew up in Kiev, the, the capital. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to the U.S. because it's a, a bit different than the other um, Ukrainian students we've heard about. Um, so I am not an exchange student um, like all the other kids who are here. Um, I was in Ukraine when the full-scale scale war started, and I was a senior in high school. So um, we left the di- that Thursday, the tw- uh, February 24th, and um, me, my mom, my two sisters, and one of my sister's uh, husband, so we all got into a car, uh, packed our bags in 20 minutes, and left. And it took us about, not going to lie, three days to get out of the country because the lines for the Border Patrol um, uh, checkpoints were so long. But we made it, and me and my mom, uh, we came here to Cedar Falls. Uh, I have relatives here, my aunt and uncle. So they offered us to stay with them, and that's how I came here. I finished up my classes online and graduated in June 2022. And then I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with my life, with the war and everything. So I just decided to take a gap year. And now I'm here enrolled in UNI. Yeah, uh, wonderful. And we're so glad you are here. Talk a little bit about the decision-making process you had. You said you, you had a gap year taking that off. It's hard for most of us listening to imagine what you must have went through fleeing your country uh, with the onset of that full-scale invasion uh, by Russia uh, there and then, you know, not being able to return. Um, what was what was going through your head in that time when you were deciding what to do? Did you think, for instance, should I go back? Should I stay here? What do I do with my life? I really wanted to go back. Um, I still do. But back then, I was, like, ready to give up on education and basically, I don't know, enroll in the Army. I had, like, these big, you know, ideas that I should go back home, do something, because I just felt so helpless here. Um, But luckily enough, uh, my family convinced me to kind of, you know, figure my my life out abroad, not at home. And... um, I wasn't really sure what to do uh, for college or for, like, my major. So I just worked at my uncle's auction house. I still do. Um, I'm part-time there. Uh, so I was able to save up some money uh, for my tuition. And then in June 2023, um, we met Oksana, small world. <laughs> and she mm. was like, well, there's a bunch of Ukrainian students who are also going to be enrolling in UNI. So maybe you should try enrolling in UNI and see how how you like it. So I did, and then I went to tour the campus, and I liked it, so I decided to stay here. Mm-hmm. And are, uh, Juliana, uh, are you finding enough support there? It's, it sounds like as a group and with the help of others here in the U.S., in Iowa, um, that you're coping as well as one can be expected to under these circumstances. I think I am very lucky. Uh, that I have relatives here and like other Ukrainian students, I think it's like a once in a lifetime kind of thing that could happen. Because, for example, all the other people who had to flee home, um, I'm pretty sure like all the other people who came to the U.S., they're not so lucky like I am. Like they came here and had nothing, you know. So I just feel super grateful that here in Cedar Falls, 
there's Ukrainians, <laughs> and I'm really excited about that. Yeah, uh, it sounds harrowing. You're you're fleeing uh, your country in the days after the war started there. I imagine you know just minutes to pack. Uh, all you could fit in, perhaps a backpack. Is that what you, the last time you were in U- Ukraine, you, you crossed the border and, and left and haven't been back since? Uh, yeah. So um, I woke up from a call from my sister and she said, well, Russia Russia's is bombing the cities. We got to back up and go. So I woke up, um, packed a backpack, literally took two pairs of um, socks, two shirts, pair of jeans and like all my documents uh then my mom asked me to make my bed (laughs) i made my bed and then we left uh and i haven't been back home ever since so Mm -hmm. how much contact a year and a half a year and a half how much contact do you have with family friends uh, back in ukraine now um i mean i i call them we call each other we text each other um i check up on them uh Obviously, uh, even though we're in Kiev and it's not, uh, it's like 300 miles to the front line, but there's always a possibility of a bomb dropping on your head. And uh, that's a little bit, you know, unsettling. But they keep telling me that they're fine. And like, as long as they're telling me that they're fine, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, we heard earlier from a Ukrainian student, and that it's just so hard to consume the news. And again, it's hard to imagine being away from your homeland, from family and friends there, and seeing the pictures, hearing the news reports that we do. Do you take in any of the news? Is that something? Um, I mean, I, I imagine you're torn. You you want to know what's going on at the same time. Uh, it's utterly depressing. I used to um, scroll the news pages like all day 24 7 but I kind of stopped doing that recently just for my own um, mental health <laughs> yeah um, but I still like try to keep up on the big stuff you know what's going on and obviously my friends let me know the big news that that are happening so I, I try to keep updating updated on the stuff but like don't go too overboard what do you see in your future? And it's so uncertain with the war there. Um, sort of an unfair question, but what do you see in your future? Um, I decided that I got this huge opportunity uh, to study abroad, even though the circumstances are quite unique. But I just think I should uh, take it, you know, and finish my education. And I think... I think I want to become a therapist uh, just because with the war and all, <laughs> you know, I feel like it, I could make an impact. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to be working towards that. Yeah. Become a therapist and it's directly tied to the, the trauma associated with this war. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've um, gone through a lot and like therapy has helped me a lot so i just want to do the same for other people who are influenced in the same way yeah oksana what a remarkable individual you have with you there in our cedar falls studio absolutely yeah i understand uh, oksana that uh, something that really meant something to you and 
compelled you to help um, even more than you, um, was an interview that you heard with the First Lady of Ukraine, Olena Zelenska, that really resonated. I wonder what what was said by the First Lady of Ukraine that, that stuck with you? That happened recently. It was about two weeks ago, and those words, um, you're right, those words resonated with me. The question that was asked was about her children and the president and his wife have a few children, a few teenagers. And her response just broke my heart. Her response was, my children um, do not talk about their future. They have no dreams. Teenagers have dreams. They they look forward to their graduation, the prom, the um, spending time with, with the friends, traveling places. And her response was, my children have nothing to look forward to. That is something that is very difficult to comprehend and I am just so grateful and honored to be working at an institution that cares so deeply about the students that we were willing to go above and beyond and I'm speaking for myself and an amazing team of people here on campus um, to take care of every student. Yeah. And uh, uh, Oksana, I believe you have a husband, you you have kids here all born here in the U.S.? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And so how has this affected your family as a, as an immigrant from Ukraine uh, many years ago? It, it must have be shaping your family, your kids' lives as well. They all have been to Ukraine multiple times, my husband and my children. They have seen the country, not only the area where I'm originally from, the capital, other parts of the country. When the war started, um, I was, like Uliana said, scrolling 24-7, the news and responding to messages from my friends and my family, my relatives. And I think at that point of time, my younger children responded by having nightmares and waking up crying. Um, It was very difficult for them to cope with that. Mm. So I'm keeping them away from some of that a little bit, but they, they do want to know. They do want to interact with with the students who are here, and they are. Um, thank you for asking, but um, it's. I think we're building a small Ukrainian community here, and that's <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Um, in the final couple minutes we have here, Oksana, tell us what challenges you face with these students in the future. What do you see? Uh, you've been so instrumental in. Um, accommodating these students as they work toward their degrees at, at UNI. What challenges do you have there as chief of staff at UNI in this field? Well, all of them have been looking for on-campus, off-campus jobs. And I had two girls in my office yesterday. One just got um, got a job yesterday, was thrilled about it. The other one is waiting to hear back. So they update me on, on what's happening in their lives. And um, I, I just hope that they will find the way. They will um, create their community. They will find their place. And they all have told me they want to come back and go back and rebuild the country. They're all very bright. They're all very smart. Um Challenges will always be there. That's the nature of life, and we just have to take care of them one at a time. But we have a a very supportive group here, and um, we'll take care of each other. Yeah. 
And, and Juliana, you um, are lucky, as you said, to be in such a group here. And um, uh, a parting word, perhaps, from you about what you're looking forward to. Just um, looking forward to, I don't know, building my future. Um, I really want to go back home. So just looking forward um, to the war ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all are. Juliana and uh, Oksana uh, Grabovich Hoffman. Thank you for joining us in our Cedar Falls studio. We wish you all the, the best here in, in these difficult circumstances. Thank you. Thank you. Today, you've been listening to an encore edition of River to River from Iowa Public Radio News.